Philippians chapter 4. This will be my last message in Philippians. I was working out. I'm going to look at verses 14 through to 19. Philippians 4, 14 through to 19. Notwithstanding ye have well done, that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odour of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable while pleasing to God. But my God supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Let's open in a word of prayer this morning. Dear wonderful and heavenly Father, we just thank you for the great chance that we have this morning once again to enter into your word. Lord, to be able to just know that all these words that were written many years ago, Lord, that were inspired of you are still here for us today to be able to read, to be able to study, and to be able to learn more about our great and wondrous God and how we can live our lives to honour and praise and glorify him. Lord, we just pray that as we spend time within your word this morning, that you might give us the wisdom and the guidance and strength that only you can give. Lord, help us to be able to see something that we might not have seen before. Help us to be able to learn something that we might be able to take it away and use it then within our own lives, that we might be able to honour and glorify you. Lord, just bless your word this morning and give me the strength and wisdom that only you can give. Lord, allow your name to be lifted up and Lord, hide me behind you. I pray that your name might be worshipped and glorified today and that we might be able to walk away praising and glorifying name. Bless and guide your word to our hearts this morning, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. The Philippian believers had made a great sacrifice in giving to Paul. They were a church who certainly did not have much, yet they gave of their little in order to provide to Paul a gift. They wanted to make sure that he was no longer in a position of need and had all that he required. And this was one of the reasons why Paul had written to the church in the first place, to thank them for the gift and the effort that they had made in supporting him. And as he finally concludes his letter, Paul commends the believers in what they have done. And in so doing, he points out some of the results that have and will come about from their generosity. And so these results that we're going to look at this morning, as we see the three results of the Philippians giving to God. The three results of the Philippians giving to God. The first result of the Philippians giving to God was that they participated in God's work. They participated in God's work. It started in verse 14. Notwithstanding ye have well done, that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also 
that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity. You see, the Philippian believers at the time were very unique. They were very unique in that there was no other church that was giving to the Apostle Paul at this time. No other church was giving except for the church of Philippi. And Paul says in verse 14 that they did communicate my affliction. The word communicate here means to be a partaker of or a co-participant in. And so they were a co-participant in Paul's affliction. Everything that the Apostle Paul was going through, the believers felt like they were right beside him. They wanted to be partners with him in the ministry. They wanted to help him and assist him in any sort of way that they possibly could. They wanted to make sure that the Apostle Paul didn't feel like he was by himself in the mission field. Rather, he was there and they were there to help him every single step of the way. It was like they were right beside him each every step. They wanted to know what he was doing. They wanted to know what he was up to. They wanted to know what he was going through. And so wherever the Apostle Paul might be, the believers at Philippi wanted to know what was going on. They wanted to know so that when things were going wrong, they could pray for him. When things were going right, they could praise God for the work. When things were a bit amiss, they could keep him in prayer, that they could encourage him, assist him in any sort of way possible. They wanted to be able to support the Apostle Paul in no matter what. And so whenever he would go through suffering, they suffered as well. Turn to First Peter chapter 4. First Peter chapter 4 and verse 13. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. We're told here that we should rejoice when we are partakers of Christ's suffering. When Christ was going through all that pain and hardship, we should remember those things and remember when we go through these times, it's like we're right beside the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's the exact same idea here in Philippians, that the believers were right beside the apostle when he went through the hard times. When he was going through these problems, they were going through them as well. You see, the Philippians were part of his ministry wherever he was. Whether he might be in Thessalonica or in Corinth or now stuck in house arrest in Rome, the Philippians wanted to be there, part of it. And even though they might be a long way away, they knew what he was going through and they wanted to be able to help and support him in whatever way possible. And you see, support extends just beyond financial help. Often when we think of uh, supporting a missionary, the first thing we might is on a financial basis. But there's many other ways that we can be able to support and help a missionary out. There's many people within this church, and I'm sure within churches throughout the land, who are wonderful prayer warriors. When they hear of something going on, when they hear of what a missionary is going through, they spend much time in prayer asking and petitioning the Lord to be able to help in a situation. There's many people who when they hear something's going wrong, they pick up the phone and they ring the person and say, 
Look, I'm here. I've heard you're going through a hard time. Do you want to talk about it? They want to encourage them and try and help them so that they might be able to get back to their feet serving the Lord as soon as possible. There might be people who simply have that uh, guidance to be able to ring them up and say, look, you're going through hard times, but I know that the Lord will look after you. And there's many different ways that people can be able to help support, even physically going out and helping in the mission field, or physically going out and helping another church, or physically going out and helping another believer. There's many ways that we can be able to help and support God's ministry, whether it might be in this world, uh, in this country, or whether it might be overseas. There's many ways that we can be an encouragement to others. And that's what the believers at Philippi did. They were part of Paul's ministry every single step of the way. And so when they heard that he was going through a hard or rough time, they were spending time within prayer. When they heard that he was going through a physical problem where he needed extra finances, they took up a collection and sent it on to him. They did as much as they could to be able to support the Apostle Paul in the ministry. And that's something that we should be able to do as well. And like I mentioned before, it shouldn't just always be from a financial perspective. And be simply picking up a phone or opening up the computer and sending them an email, sending them a text message, sending them some sort of encouraging word. Finding a way to be able to get something over to them, to be able to support them, to be an encouragement to them, to simply just spend time before the Lord in prayer. There's many ways that we as believers can be coming before the Lord and looking to Him and helping and participating in God's ministry. The Philippians were part of the Apostle Paul's ministry and we can be part of many ministries both within this country and outside of this country by simply just being an encouragement and help to those that go through the hard and trying times. In verse 15, the Apostle Paul says, Now ye Philippians know also, that in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. You see, as part of their partnership with Paul, it did actually include financial support. And of course, this phrase here, giving and receiving, is often spoken about in financial terms. Giving, of course, meaning a giving of a gift. But the word receiving actually was often used for the word receipt. You know, you go to the shops and you buy something and you get a receipt in saying that you'd bought, purchased that item. Well, this word here, receiving, was in that same sense. It was giving, uh, giving a receipt after receiving something. And Paul says here that there was no other church that helped or supported him. No other church helped or supported the Apostle Paul as he departed from Macedonia. They were the only church that were willing to try and help. In actual fact, so many times the Apostle Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul was not even helped or encouraged by the church that he was serving at. Turn to 2 Corinthians if you would. Second Corinthians in chapter eleven. Second Corinthians chapter eleven verses eight and nine. I robbed churches taking wages of them to do you service. And when I was present with you and wanted, I was chargeable to no man, 
For that which was lacking to me, the brethren which came from Macedonia supplied. And in all things I have kept myself from being burdensome unto you, and so will I keep myself. Now, of course, the Apostle Paul isn't saying that he is a thief, that he is someone that actually went out and robbed people of their wages, took of the money to be able to help support himself. Now, what he's saying is that so many other churches supported him financially while he was here in Corinth. Now, it is it does need to be said that Paul didn't want to take the money from the believers at Corinth because he knew that if he took of that money, that they would accuse him of simply preaching for financial benefit, as many people had already done. But what it's saying here is that Paul had to take finances given by other churches to him while he was at Corinth. The people at Corinth should have tried to support him financially, but he chose instead that he had to take money from other churches to be able to support him because he knew that the believers that there would cause problems about it if he took money off them. And so Paul simply was having to take money from other churches in order for him to be able to do his work. And says here in the bottom part of verse 9, I was chargeable to no man for that which was lacking to me, the brethren which came from Macedonia supplied. This is talking about the Philippian believers. The church of Philippi was in Macedonia, and so the church that was supplying his needs and wants at this time. You see, the believers at Philippi helped to pay the way for the Apostle Paul. They helped him financially while he was serving the Lord there in Corinth. They wanted to be able to be a blessing to him, and so they sent money to him to be able to help and support him in the work of the ministry there. In actual fact, in verse 16, back in Philippians 4, twice the believers at Philippi sent money to Paul, even just in Thessalonica. In verse 16, it says, For even in Thessalonica you sent once and again unto my necessity. Acts 16 gives a bit of an account and I'm sure most of us would know what, what occurs, but I'll read it just in case. Paul had just been put into prison and then the earthquake had happened at midnight as him and, Paul, uh, him and Silas were praying and as they were singing praises to God and the earthquake shook and let them free and it was then that the Philippian jailer got saved. And it says, starting in verse 35, it says, And when it was day, the magistrate sent the surgeon saying, let those men go. And the keeper of the prison told this saying to Paul, the magistrates have sent to let you go. Now therefore depart and go in peace. But Paul said unto them, they have beaten us openly uncondemned, being Romans and have cast us into prison. And now do they thrust us out privily? Nay, verily, but let them come themselves to fetch us out. And the surgeons told these words unto the magistrates and they feared when they heard that they were Romans. And they came and besought them and brought them out and desired them to depart out of the city. And they went out of the prison and entered into the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, they comforted them and departed. Chapter 17. Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures opening alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead and that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas 
and of the devout Greeks a great multitude and the chief, chief women, not a few. We see here the story of Paul and Silas as they leave Philippi, they go on to Thessalonica. It's their next port of call. It's the next place that they go to. And as they get to this place in Thessalonica, they're there for a good period of time as they preach the gospel of Christ and tell the people in Thessalonica of what the Lord Jesus has done for them and how he died for them. But even in this little township, just the next town along from Philippi, just the little township along from Philippi, twice the believers at Philippi uh, sent to the Apostle Paul a financial help. Twice they sent to him some sort of gift to be able to help him and support him in the work. Straight away after he has left from Philippi and gone on to this next township of Thessalonica, the Apostle Paul received twice gifts unto the, from the believers. And praise God as a church, we are able to help and support many of our missionaries. Whether they might be here in Australia, whether they might be here in Amitza, or whether they might be overseas, we're able to help and support those that are serving the Lord faithfully. And we might not be able to preach ourselves. We might not even be able to visit our missionaries. But when we are supporting them in their work, whether it's on a financial basis, whether it's on a physical basis, whether it's on an encouragement basis, we are helping and supporting them in the ministry. We are helping and supporting God's work wherever they might be. We can be able to help and support these people in the ministry, be co-participants of be partakers of the ministry simply by being a financial help to them. And it's like we're being right beside them each and every step. And in doing so, that we are part of their ministry. We are part of the work with them. We are helping them in a way that we can financially help them. It's like we are participating in God's work ourselves. And that was one of the results that came about from the Philippians giving to the Apostle Paul, they were helping God's ministry in the first place. And as we provide help to God's ministry, and as we provide help to those that are serving God, it's seen by God himself as a pleasing sacrifice. And this is our second point. You see, the second result of the Philippians giving to God was that it was a pleasing sacrifice unto God. A pleasing sacrifice unto God. Look in verse 17. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odour of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. As Paul writes this letter to the church at Philippi, he wanted to make sure that they didn't think that he was telling them to send more. That he was in a stage where he needed more answers he needed more help in some sort of physical way yeah yet paul instead had a greater desire he had a greater desire not for financial benefit but as a desire to see the fruit from the church of philippi the word desire here used in verse 17 used twice is the exact same word each time so paul's desire or crave or seeking wasn't for finances it wasn't for what he could physically get out of it paul's desire paul's craving that he had 
In actual fact, to see fruit in the believer's hearts. He wanted to see what the Lord God had done within their lives. He wanted to see what the Lord God was doing within their lives. And as he looked at what they were doing, and he looked at the way that they were going, he saw it was abounding to their account. It was increasing within their account. He was seeing them flourish before his eyes. He was seeing them as a church. This small church who was initially made out of a Philippian believer and several women who were often meeting together down by the riverside. He was seeing them grow forth into a church that was honouring and glorifying God and producing fruit from their lives in service to God. He was seeing their spiritual growth. And as I was reading this, it made me think of when I'm teaching in the classroom. And so often when I see a kid who might be struggling, for example, with their times tables or see them struggling with their mathematics, whatever it might be, as they improve and as they get the knowledge and skills to be able to solve those sorts of problems, as I see them be able to develop how they're able to think about things and develop about what they're able to do, I don't sit back once I see the kid and look at the difference that's made in 12 months and go, man, I'm good. That kid, when he came to me, had nothing. They knew nothing about mathematics. They knew nothing about timetables. And now look at them. Look at how good... Mate, how good is that? How good am I to be able to... That's not what I want to do. I don't sit back and look back at some of the kids and go, man, I am great. That kid was a brat when I got them and at least now I can get them to be able to do well. It's not what the purpose is. The purpose isn't to be able to look at how much I've done. The purpose is to see the difference in their lives. And if I've made a difference within a kid's life so they can actually go out into the real world and use money to be able to work things out and use money that they're not going to get ripped off, that they're not going to be able to go out into the world and be able to write a letter asking for a job, whereas before when they came to me that they... They couldn't write anything that you would look at their words on the sheet and go, that's a pile of dog mess. It's being able to look at that kid's life and go, wow, how awesome is that? That kid can now read. That kid can now write. That kid can be able to solve those problems. I'm not looking at it out of my own benefit. I'm looking at it to see that I've made an impact upon that child's life. I'm looking at it that I can see that the difference that that child can now do is that they can actually live in the real world. And you know what? That's exactly what the Apostle Paul was doing. He could look at the believers' lives at Philippi and go, wow, wow. These people who, when I came to them, did not know anything about God. They did not know about what they were meant to do. And now I can look at their lives and see fruit. I can see fruit that's come about from their lives simply because of what the gospel of Christ has done. And such, a, such an amazing thing to be able to see the difference within someone's life when the Lord God has worked upon them. And Paul was simply just joyful in their offering to God because he saw it as fruit. He saw it as physical fruit that multiplied within their lives. And God had done that work. God had done that effort. And yes, Paul would have certainly been happy to know that these people were growing as part of his work. But most of all, he was just happy that they were spiritually growing. 
as believers, we need to make sure that we are spiritually growing each and every step of the way as well. That we look back and see what God has done within our lives and be able to see the fruit that is coming about from it. We should be looking to try and make sure that the fruit flows from our lives, that it brings honour and glory to the Lord. And that fruit will simply come as a reflection of our heart. It will come because of the time that we put in. It will come because of the effort that we put in. It might come because of the financial benefit that we might give. But it's all simply because of God. And as God looks at what our lives happen, he sees it as fruit that's coming from a tree that's growing for the Lord. Coming from a life that's growing for the Lord. And some people might try and manufacture it and for a while people might be full, but God's not full. God knows what people's real heart is like. God knows what people are trying to do. Instead, God knows that those that have the right heart and are serving God faithfully will then look to follow after God and the fruit will simply come naturally. And so as believers, we need to be making sure that we're serving God with the right heart. Serving God so that we are seen as lives that would be pleasing unto God. That lives that are producing fruit unto Him. Because if we are following after God, then the fruit will naturally appear. And this is the best of the crop. And it's this fruit that is pleasing unto God. As Paul now goes on into verse 18... He begins to talk of some of the results that have come about as part of it. He says, But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odour of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Paul says here three times with three different words that he has everything that he needs. But I have all abound, so I'm in excess, and he is full, as in filled to the brim, where his cup is running over. He has everything now that he needs because of the believers at Philippi. Everything that Paul needed for the ministry, everything that Paul needed for him to be able to serve in life, they had been able to provide because of their financial benefit. And he has received what is sent. And so someone who had so, much, uh, so little for so many years and been through so many trying times, now has so much. And he has enough that where he's filled and brimming over. He has everything that he needs. And he describes this offering that they have sent to him as an odour of a sweet smell. Turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 and verses 1 and 2. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savour. Christ's death upon the cross was seen as God as an offering and the sacrifice as a sweet-smelling savour. Think about that. Christ's death was seen as a sweet-smelling savour for God. 
such a such a significant sacrifice was seen as a sweet smell and this idea simply actually started back in the old testament as the as uh, people offered things unto god turn to genesis chapter 8 Genesis chapter 8 and start in, we'll start in verse 18. Noah and his uh, family had been on the ark for many weeks and months and year, a year. And it says, And Noah went forth and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him. Every beast, every creeping thing and every fowl and whatsoever creepeth upon the earth after their kinds went forth out of the ark. And Noah builded an altar unto the Lord and took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl and offered burnt, sacrifice, burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a sweet savour and the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground any more for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more, any, every living thing as I have done. And the Lord smelled a sweet savour. As Noah offers up this offering unto God, God smells this sweet savour. This sweet smell, this offering that's given unto God, and God smells it and smells it as a sweet savour. It's the exact same here. As these believers gave this offering unto Paul, they smell it as a sweet savour. It's smelled as a sweet savour unto God is described as an acceptable and well-pleasing offering. And the things that we give up, whether it's sacrificing time, sacrificing money, sacrificing whatever it might be to give unto God, whenever we are helping the ministry of God, then it's smelt as a sweet smell unto God. Seen as a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Whatever we give, we need to make sure that we're giving it to God's glory. That we're giving it to be able to help out God's ministry, help out God's work. Whether it might be time, whether it might be effort, whether it might be prayer, whether it might be help, or whether it might be in financial form, whatever we do, we need to be making sure that we're giving it back to God. Because God has given so much for us, so little we're able to give back to him, but we need to make sure that we do give it back to him. That can be used for his work. And that, that we give back, whatever we give back, it will be seen as a sweet-smelling savour. It will be smelled and felt as an offering unto God. Something that is seen as an acceptable and well-pleasing sacrifice. Romans 12.1, of course, as many of us know, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. We need to be making sure that our lives are given back to God so that we might be seen as an acceptable, practical, sweet-smelling sacrifice unto God. We need to make sure that our lives are used for him. And that the fruit within our life might then go forth. 
that might be a pleasing, acceptable sacrifice unto God. And as we give so much back to God, then God promises that he will always give back to us. And that's the third result. You see, for the third result for the Philippians giving to God is that they are promised that God will meet all their needs in verse 19. God will meet all their needs. For my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Paul reassures the believers that God will repay them each and every bit. The word here, supply, in verse 19 means to cram or fill up. And it's written in the future tense. So God is promising that in the future for them, God will provide them every single bit that they need. Now, this might not be immediately. It might not be in the short term. It might not even be on this earth. It might be in heaven above. But God promises that every single need that they have, every requirement that they have to, in order to be able to provide the ministry where they are, God will supply. God will supply to them everything that they need. And it might not be in earth. It might be in heaven. But whatever it is, God would supply everything for them in order for them to be able to give to the ministry. If they were going to give to God's work, then God would give back to them to help them to be able to serve him faithfully. Turn to Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 8. This is God talking to the people. Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee in tithes and offerings? Ye are cursed with the curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. If I will not open you the windows of heaven, and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. The people that God is speaking to here were simply holding back some of their tithes, holding back some of their offerings unto God to the point where God's house did not have enough, that God's people who were serving him did not have enough. And so they were robbing God of what should be God's. And so God tells them here that you need to give to me everything that you're meant to give to me. And if you do that, if you bring to me all the tithes that you're meant to do, then and there is meat within my house, that no matter how much storage room, no matter how much room you might have, I will be able to fill it so much that you won't even have enough room to store it all. I will not be able to have, you will not be able to have room for you to be able to put away everything that I will give unto you if you give unto me. And that's God's promise. If we give unto him and give unto him everything that he needs and give to him everything that he requires, then God will give back to us everything that we need to be able to live. 
Whatever we need, God will give back to us because God will make sure that we don't go hungry. God will make sure that we do not go thirsty. God will make sure that we have everything that we need for every single step. We simply just need to be giving it to him and leaving it all up to him. Luke 12, I'm sure many of us know. But Luke 12, starting at verse 22, it says, And he said unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life what ye shall eat, neither for the body which ye shall put on. The life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouse nor barn, and God feedeth them. How much more are ye better than the fowls? And then we drop down to verse 28, and it says, If then God clothe the grass, which is today in the field, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? And then verse 33, Sell all that you have and give alms. Provide yourselves bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not, where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupt. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. God promises that no matter what we need, whether it's clothes, whether it's money, whatever it might be, God will supply it. We just need to be trusting in him. God will give back more than we can ever give. He's already done that by dying for us on the cross of Calvary. And we don't need to worry about our finances. We might be able to give money to God's work and God promises that he will give back to us everything that we need. God will look after us through each and every step. God will meet every single one of our needs. We do not need to worry about it because God will provide it. Because he promises that he will take care of us through each and every step. And we should simply be leaving it up to him. We need to be making sure that we are giving unto God because God will meet every single need that we have. And our giving, whether it's on a financial basis, whether it's on a physical basis, whatever it might be, it will always be of a benefit to God. And we might not be a pastor, we might not be a missionary, we might not be evangelist, but the time that we give, the encouragement to give, the prayer or the finances that we give makes us partners in the ministry with those that we help. And these sacrifices that we make, these sacrifices that we give, they will be seen to God as a pleasing sacrifice, a sweet-smelling, acceptable sacrifice unto him. And as we give these things back to God, then God promises that he will repay all of it in full. So let's make sure that our lives are lived for God that we might be able to be fruit that would bring honour and glory to him and that we might be showing to God and giving to God every part of our life. Let's make sure that we're giving back to God, that we can be part of his ministry. Let's close in a word of prayer. Dear wonderful and heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. We just thank you for us to be able to just see the work that was done. 
within the Philippian believers' lives. To be able to see the work that was done in their lives and the fruit that came about from it. How they were then able to be participants in your ministry. How they were able to help the Apostle Paul and be takers in his affliction, be partakers in his ministry and let us as believers also do the same. Whether it might be on a financial basis or whether it might be on a physical basis, Lord, help us to be able to serve you each and every step. Help us to be able to produce fruit within our lives, honour and glorify you. And be remembering that no matter what we give, you will always provide for us everything that we need. Help us to live lives that would honour and glorify you each and every day, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.